0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin For more information about Christian Life Please visit clcaustin.com Thank you for listening Give that to the Lord Come on, it's Him It ain't about me, it's Him Come on, clap for the Lord here tonight Hallelujah You can be seated. You know what I? I uh, you know what I love about this church? Of a lot of things, I love about this church. I love the fact we got front row Christians. I've gone to so many churches preaching, and the people don't even start sitting until the fourth row, and they're fourth rowing back and they're horseshoeing all around the church. You know. I like people just come in and fill the house up, and uh, there there are some people that love their pews so much. They're putting reserve seats on it (laughs) on a Wednesday night. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I have no problem with that. We have to put them up here because somebody might come up here and sit where the pastor's sitting. And if you do, if you do, I'll just say scoot over. I'll sit on half the seat and you can sit on half the seat (laughs) and we'll have a good time. What a joy to see all of you tonight. It really is an honor and I am honored. I'm honored, first of all, to be married to Patty. I love my Patty. I really do. She didn't know that was coming. And I love my kids. I love my son-in-laws sometimes. You know what my son-in-laws are good for? To produce some wonderful grandkids. And uh, I've got seven wonderful grandkids. It's hard to imagine I've got all of that at just 50. You know, it's hard to imagine that, but I really, really do. What a joy to see you. I'm glad to see Clarissa Reitzel here tonight. Clarissa is my buddy. She and her husband, Gerald, are members of this church and she travels a lot and she's in the house tonight. I'm going to talk about her just a little bit because I think she's pretty cool. She's a friend. But back in 1986, she was a young kid in college and she decided to come here to play basketball and did it very well under Jody Conrad and, and they went to the finals and played against the great USC team with Cheryl Miller and beat the, beat the Trojan out of them. Yes. Cheryl Miller was the player of the year, but we had the freshman of the year. And I still love to tell her that. And, 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 and several years ago when they first started coming here, I said, you want to take me one-on-one? You think you can handle me? She said, get out of my way, Pastor. <laughs> She's walked over bigger than me getting to a basketball game. But I honor her. Won't you just give her a hand tonight? Just, I just think that'd be neat. Just give Cheryl a hand tonight, Clarissa. Clarissa, a hand. Give Clarissa a hand tonight. I, Clarissa, if you're mad at me, text me. Don't call me. All right. I just want to honor you tonight. It's also an honor uh, to have uh, Brother Duke Ashlock's parents here again tonight. Uh, retired pastors and their wonderful, wonderful people, and we love them very much. Now I want to ask you to stand. Give them a hand. Come on, give them a hand. That's awesome. And our youth pastor, our, our image pastor is unbelievable. He's got, he's got a mariachi band over there in the youth hall because Saturday is Cinco de Mayo. He's got a mariachi band. And if you hear it, don't get up and dance to it, okay? We had not got the... What a joy, what a joy to see our kids being blessed. And I know you're saying, how's that going to bless our kids? Well, they're going to hear the gospel after it's over. And that's a joy. Would you stand? I love you. And uh, this is, we've got a little Catholic in us, we're going to stand and sit and stand and sit and stand and sit. <laughs> we're doing a series, and tonight will be the, the final part of this series, a three-part series. I, I call it simply In Need of a Hand. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do our reading tonight, but we're not going to read the text, we're going to just talk about the text. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10 is where we're going to be looking at tonight, and we're going to be breaking that down. It's going to be kind of expository again tonight. But I am so happy to be here to minister to you. And Sunday, God has given me something neat for this congregation. He really has. I want to preach something that will help you go into the month of May and get you into the summer and move you forward. I'm going to be talking about something very special to this congregation this Sunday morning, 9, 10, 30, and noon. And I already thank you for being here because our church is continuing to go forward, and we're excited about it. Then next Wednesday night, we've got a big surprise for you. And then the next Wednesday night, we've got Dr. Les Parrott. My question to Dr. Les Parrott is, is he saying what everybody else says since his name is Parrott? (laughs) Or is he original? That's all I want to know. I'm teasing. All right. Say, in need of a hand? hand. I'm going to help you, Pastor. You may be seated. God bless. So she's five years old. Her name's Becky. She answered the door. When a censor taker came by and she told the census taker that her daddy was a doctor and he wasn't home because he was performing an appendectomy. My, said the census taker, that sure is a big old word for such a little girl. You know what it means? Sure, it means 1500 bucks." <laughs> and that doesn't even include the anesthesiologist. That kid knew how to talk, didn't she? I want to restate the story of Acts chapter 3. It's 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the ninth hour of the day. It's the hour of prayer in the temple. And Peter and John are headed up to the house of God to join other believers in prayer. This is right after Pentecost in Acts 2. And on the way in, they come to a gate called Beautiful, a gate that was inlaid with gold and precious stone. In fact, history says it was prettier than anything they had ornately designed in the temple. It was situated as an entrance to the eastern side of the temple courts. And they came across a man who had been crippled since birth. And please understand, this man was not allowed inside the temple to join in prayer because he was crippled. Because of the spiritual pride of the leaders of the temple, they felt that he was blemished and not fit for the house of God. I'm glad that that has changed in this dispensation called grace. And so he sat at the gate, and he begged, because he was not welcome in the house of God. And people gave him loose change to ease their conscience as they went to pray. But as Peter and John approached this particular day, he saw them, and so he asked them for alms. And Peter and John had just recently been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which I might add that over 30 received it this last week right here in this church, and I think that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Might not have been in your service, but it happened. We had a revival here on Sunday. And Peter and John had just been recently filled with it, and they were full of joy and life and energy. So perhaps this lame man felt sure to get a good offering from these guys because they came grinning, smiling, going to pray. And Peter said to him, look on us. He didn't say, look at us, look on us. Perhaps this head, man's head was bowed down. He had never looked into the eyes of those who came by for fear Of offending him. So he looked at them expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That just kind of puts in you, doesn't it? And with that, Peter took hold of the man, watch this, his right hand. He took hold of the man's right hand and lifted him up. And in that moment of time, strength came. Sometimes when you get the word spoken of you, you need to stand up. And receive what God has for you. And it came into the man's feet, to the ankle bones for the very first time in his life. And he leaped up and he began to dance around him before all the hundreds of Jews coming in for prayer. And he praised God. What a miracle. I love these kind of stories. I love to read these stories. I read them often. I like to read them. I continue to long to see God's power move in our midst. Oh, we've seen wonderful miracles in the 28 years of my pastorate here, but I want to see more as we see the Lord coming because the church needs the miraculous in our midst. Amen? Come on, say amen. The question is tonight, in what kind of environment will God's power flow? What kind of environment does it take? I want to look at four parameters for the power of God and what it takes for the power of God to flow in our lives. First of all, God's power flows wherever he is. Simple, sounding, obvious, but God's power flows where God is. God wasn't at the temple at this time. I'm sorry to tell you that, but he wasn't. Look at this lame man's predicament. He had been sitting at the entrance of the temple for years. In fact, Acts 4 and 22 tells us how many. He was there over 40 years. So he was there from his mother's womb, so he was over 40 years of age and had been there for at least 40 years. And the temple was supposedly the very house of God, the home of God's presence. And yet here he was, and his life camped out at the gate, and he was still a cripple at a beautiful gate. He was still crippled at a beautiful gate. In all their religious fervor, there was nothing that these people could offer him the best they could do was a few copper coins to ease the feeling, their feelings as they passed by as an act of pity. This is supposedly the home of God who created the universe by the word of his mouth. But he wasn't there at all. How do I know this? When Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. And the Bible records that the veil or the curtain in the temple was ripped or torn from top to bottom, ha, signifying that God's presence was no longer restricted to the Holy of Holies Amen. and that the sacrifices of lambs and of bulls was now extinct because the Lamb of God had just given his life for every mankind on a cross called Calvary. Clap your hands for that. And so now, when that veil was written twain, now God's presence lives in a new dwelling place. He lives in the hearts and the lives of men and of women. Everybody say, I am the temple of God. And he dwells in me. Come on, you better get a hold of that. He dwells in me. When the curtain was torn, the religious people got real nervous. So what did they do? They tacked the curtain back up and then just whistled past the graveyard. Saints, when the curtain was torn away, God was riding Ichabod over its doorpost because the glory of God no longer lived in a square box called the Ark of the Covenant. It moved out to where we are. And it's still moving today. And any time you want to get plugged into it, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this house. Clap your hands real big. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, first of all, you don't need to be afraid of it. Second of all, you need to ask for it. Third of all, then just get ready because it's going to come on you. He will not withhold any good thing from those that love him. Come on, praise him right now. So God now resides in believers. God's no longer in this temple. He was now in the lives of those two disciples of Jesus, Peter and John. They had received this precious, this call, the baptism of his spirit. The lame man now experiences the real power of God's presence, not flowing out the doors of the temple, but rather walking up the stairs to the house of God. And when Peter reached out and healed the man, I want to ask you, Was the hand that reached out Peter's or God's? Don't answer that because it's a trick question. It was Peter's because we are the hands and the feet of Almighty God. But it was also God because he was using Peter to reach this man. The Bible said it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Colossians 1 and 27. He dwells in us. Would you clap your hands because he don't live in this house. He lives in this house. The lame man was healed because God's power flows wherever he is. If we would see the power of God, we must secure the presence of Jesus. Let me say it again. If we would see the power of God, we must secure the presence of Jesus. Jesus made the following six statements that never were repeated anywhere else in the Bible. They're known as the I Am Statements. I kind of talked about this on Easter, but I want to go into it further and delve into it deeper. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the bread of life that cometh down from heaven. He said, I am the door. I am the vine, and I am the light of the world. Six things that he said that nobody else, nobody else could ever say or will ever say. You know what he said it for? Because he wanted you to know that I matter. Everybody say, Jesus matters. Jesus matters. Everybody say, Jesus matters. The resurrection of the life matters. The good shepherd matters. The bread of life matters. The door matters. The vine matters. The light of the world matters. Why don't we give Jesus a big old hand clap of appreciation in his house right now? Because he does matter. The most famous funeral in history was a funeral for a man named Lazarus in John 11. Mary and Martha knew that. When their brother Lazarus died, they called for Jesus. They knew where Jesus was and God's power. If they knew where Jesus was, then God's power would flow. But Jesus arrived late and Lazarus was already dead and he was in the grave now and he stunk. He was four days in there. And Martha said, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Her problem was that she saw Jesus as the God of yesterday. But Jesus set her straight. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life, and he that believes on me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. Once again, I will tell you the word resurrected, past tense, is not in your Bible. He is not the resurrected Savior. He is not past tense in anything. He is the resurrection right now and the life. Oh, my, 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 my. He's more current than tomorrow's newspaper. He's more current than what they're going to say in the morning on Sports Center. He's more current than anything you could ever imagine. Jesus Christ is a right now Savior. And whatever you came tonight to receive, (laughs) whatever you came tonight to receive, he's in this house right now as a right now God. And on a Wednesday night, you could change the course of your history by receiving what he has for you in this house here tonight. Clap your hands and say, I receive it. I receive it. Hebrews said he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't serve a God of yesterday, but we serve an ever-present help in time of trouble. So God's power flows wherever he is present. And God's power flows, number two, where there is expectancy. I want to preach now. See, what are you expecting God to do in your life, in your job, in your family, in your church? Expectation, folks, is more than hope. When you hope, you want it to happen. When you expect, you have a reason to believe that it's going to happen. How the lame, now the lame man may have been only thinking about silver and gold. It's amazing. He was there to take up an offering and he got his healing. But at least he was expecting something. I was reading this week and I, and I, I came across this beautiful passage. And I've quoted part of this many times. But I want to read the whole passage from verse 17 to verse 21 of Ephesians 3. Now Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, listen to this real close, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, say width, Width. and length, and depth, And depth. and and height. You know there's a word added there. It's always been three pronged, width, length, and height. But Paul said there is a depth. You can see the width by your natural eye. You can see the height by your natural eye. You can see the the, the the longness by your natural eye, but you can't see the depth. I want to declare that there's a Savior that loves you so deep. There ain't no place you can get down so far that his love can't pick you up from where you are. Ah, somebody. There's not a place where you can go so far down. There's not a place where you can get so lost down. That he can't reach down his hand and pick you up and get you out of that situation. Nobody knows the depths of God's love, but he has a depth. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The problem is that we often come to God not expecting anything at all. We come to church ready for just another Sunday. I'm going to preach now. I'm probably going to get some letters on this one or some emails. <laughs> we come to church ready for just another service, just another Wednesday night. So we'll sing some choruses. We'll pray. We'll take communion tonight. And providing that the preacher does the right thing, we'll be out and home to eat by at least 9 o'clock to get the kids to bed. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for obeying the time clock. Nothing is sadder to me than going to church when you aren't expecting anything to happen. Did you feel the worship in this house tonight? He said, where my name is exalted, there will I be in the midst of those people. So when you exalted his name, he said, what do y'all want? I'm here. Come on. He lives on the corner of hallelujah and amen. Amen. He lives on the corner of praise and worship. That's where God resides. He inhabits the praise of his people. Would somebody get a hold of that? So why don't you just put some expectation with your praise and watch God do something awesome and mighty in your life? Nothing is sadder than to go to church and not expect anything to happen. And worse still is when you're possibly sure that nothing is going to happen. If you get to the stage that Pentecostals come to church not expecting anything to happen then we become men and women so miserable because God has something great for us and when you feel that way what a surprise nothing does happen friends whether it be at home in your private devotion or when you come to the house of God we must come to God with expectancy they that come to God must believe that he is And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Did you come tonight expecting God to do something new? Something exciting and fresh in your life. If you did, you won't leave like the way you came in Jesus' name. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9, there's a beautiful passage. When the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate, say north gate. To worship, say to worship. Shall go out by the way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the way of the south gate. Shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came. But shall go out through the opposite gate. Can I tell you something? If you came here tonight hurting and you worship. You are going to go out not hurting tonight. If you came here tonight drugged down. And you worship. You are going to go out not drugged down tonight. If you came here tonight. In pain. In pain. And you worship, you'll leave here pain-free tonight. I'm telling you, church is not just a place to sit and say, hurry up and get through, Pastor. It's a place to expect that God has something great for you in your life. In fact, let me, let me demonstrate. Come here, Brother Reed. Come here. Sit right here, Brother Reed. Sit right here. Sit right here, buddy. We're not, we're not filming tonight. Okay, Reed's the lame man. Been eating good, hadn't you, lame man? Been saving you more than alms. I want you to get your head down. Get your head down like the lame man. Okay, now watch this. Now, here comes Peter and John. They don't have any money. They're preachers. (laughs) They give it all away. And they come by this lame man on the way to prayer. And the Bible said that when they walked up, he asked for alms. He had his head down because he was afraid to look up to anybody. And Pete said, look on us. And the man had to raise his eyes to look. And when he looked on him, he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The man had to put his cup down and then he had to reach up his hand in expectancy. Because Pete reached out to take him by the power hand The greatest power you can ever have in your faith mm, is a power of expectancy. And when he got a hold of that faith of expectancy, he pulled him up and the man went to dancing and into the house of the Lord. I want to preach tonight. You've got to get a hand up for the power of God to come down. You've got to get a hand out for the glory to come down. It's the hand that is needed, the hand of expectancy. You know, there was a day back when I used to preach that I just kind of do a little twirl when I preach something like that. That got a hold of me. I saw it grabbed you. There's something about it. When you're praising him and you get your eyes fixed on him, that hand is going to come down and lift you up out of your situation and lift you up out of your pain, lift you up out of your heartache, lift you up out of your crisis. Lift you up out of your family problems. Lift you up out of your job trouble. Lift you up because he is a God that will lift you up by the power of your faith and that is expecting God to do something mighty and great in your life. Would you clap your hands real big and say, I receive that tonight. You gotta to receive that. You have to receive that. Everybody say Expectancy. Allows God to be God. In fact, Mark 11 says, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, watch this now, believe that you have received them already and they will be granted you. God, I need a job. I need it. I'm holding up my expectancy of my faith. And I'm believing you're going to give me a job and watch God do it. You can expect God to direct your life when you have expectancy. You can expect God to deliver you out of dire circumstances when you have expectancy. You can expect God to provide when you have expectancy. You can expect God to heal you when you have expectancy. Hudson Taylor's life motto was this, attempt great things for God and gr- expect great things from God. Anybody want to hold up a hand tonight and say, I'm ready? Hold up that right hand tonight and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. Come on, I'm ready to receive. I feel I can receive something here tonight. That don't mean you have to get up Mac, crazy and run around here. Just say, I I believe I'm going to receive something tonight. Come on. I'm going to receive what I've come after tonight. There's no sense just coming to church and not getting what you came after. If you came just for a blessing, why don't you just get that blessing tonight? If you came for something that you need desperately, reach up. Because when you look on who the power is and he puts his hand in your hand when you're reaching up, that's an arm that we need in this hour, the expectancy of our faith. Many Christians, Hudson said, estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little they attempt. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence with them. God must feel underwhelmed when we come before him without a sense of expectancy. He's a great God. Who made the heavens and the earth. And personally, I don't mind telling you, I'm tired of insulting God. I'm tired of coming in here and just going home. I'm ready to have some church. I'm ready to see the miraculous. And when we fully expect to see Him move, we will see His power. God's power flows, number three, where kingdom authority is recognized. Everybody say, kingdom authority. The apostles had authority. Now, I'm going to teach a little bit now, okay? I was inspirational. I'm going to teach a little. The most striking feature of this account to me was that there was no record of Peter and John praying for this man. They didn't pray for him. They simply took hold of the authority available in the name of Jesus, and the man was healed. Now, I'm sure those apostles were prayed up. My Lord, they just spent 10 days in an upper room waiting on the presence of God in the Holy Ghost of baptism, And I'm sure they spent much of that time seeking the Lord. But when this man presented them with his need, they didn't feel they had to pray. Oh, let me stop and pray. They simply brought him his healing in the name of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is the sphere of Jesus' authority. Matthew 28, 18, just before the Great Commission, he said, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. I'm going to go on record and say I'm tired of people preaching about the power that the other other party has. Everything he has is only granted by the one who has all power. Let me tell you, on his way to the eternal city, the lions that were in the way were chained. I'm telling you, the devil is a roaring lion. But on your way to the eternal city, those lions are chained. They ain't gonna bite. They're not gonna get to you because God has all power invested in Jesus Christ in heaven and in earth. And when Peter said in Capernaum, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they started answering. He said, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, and you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of hell, the gates of hell, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It cannot be against it. And I will give you the keys of heaven, the keys of, of of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus shows us the picture of his church. As a church, are we trying to hold on till he comes? As a church, are we intimidated? As a church, are we struggling to overcome worldliness? As a church, are we struggling to stay alive? No, 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 no. Rather, we are a victorious, conquering church. Jesus pictures this church not as just holding out against the powers of evil but advancing those us the power of God even to the greatest of overthrowing ever stronghold that stands against us because the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. No, I want to talk tonight. We've been given authority. Hell comes against you this week. Say, get out of here in Jesus' name. Get on down the road. Resist the devil. He'll free. Get out of here. Get out of here. Don't make me practice my field goal kicking. Get out of here. Get on. The gospel lists several times when Jesus invested his authority into followers to complete tasks that he had sent them to accomplish. You know, late last year, a lost da Vinci painting, Salvatore Mundi, or Mundi. Here's a picture here. It's kind of like the Christ. It kind of looks like Kind of looks like Mona Lisa a little bit, only it's a man. I think Da Vinci fell in love with Mona Lisa so much, he just painted everything else like her. That picture last year was sold for $450 million. $450 million. Anybody want to bid on that? $451 million? Going once, going twice. Can you imagine the people in 1958 who sold it for $125? All the people... In 2005 in Louisiana who sold it for $10,000. They had to be kicking themselves. They had something valuable that they didn't take advantage of. What you gonna sell out for? Jesus said, he or she that believes in me, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. (laughs) He sent out 12 In Luke 9, then he sent out 70 in Luke 10. Then he commissioned all believers, given his authority to heal, to cast out demons, to cleanse lepers, and to speak with new tongues. If you're a believer, so the signs shall follow you and me everywhere we go. God wants us to know that we are in kingdom authority under the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, all power is given to him. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. All power. All power. All power. Let me finish tonight. God's power, number four, flows where He receives the glory. There's no room for self glory in this. God's very strict about making sure He receives the glory for what He does. Many times in the Old Testament, God says, like Isaiah 42 and 8 and Isaiah 48 and 11, I will not give my glory to another. Everybody say, he won't give it away. That's the reason he reduced Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300. There was too many. He didn't want Gideon's army to take the glory. He wanted to receive the glory. God can cut you down to 300 and put a trumpet on your mouth and put a lamp in your hand and say, break that lamp, blow that trumpet, and I'll do the rest. Here's what I want to tell you. When you have God on your side, there needs to be an expectancy raising up every time you walk in this door. Every morning when you get up, there ought to be an expectancy for God to bless your day. Every time you lay down at night, you ought to expect God to give you beautiful dreams and great dreams about things that He wants you to do in life. I'm telling you, folks, we live in a hindered world because we don't have a divine expectancy of what God wants to do in our world. Can you clap your hands and rejoice right now? Is that me? Is that me? All right, all right. Let me be still. Let me be still. In Acts 3, this man was healed. So that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and the people would ultimately come to him as Savior. Peter and John were careful to give Jesus credit of the miracle. Watch this in John 3 verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran to gather them on the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? as though by our own power or good, good godliness that we made this man walk. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorify his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and kill the Prince of Life, whom God raised up from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. God's presence flows where he will receive the glory. I knew this man, a young man went to him and he said, I wanna know how to pray the prayer of faith so I can be used in the miraculous of ministry. And the old minister looked at the young man and he said, the manifestation of the spirit is not dependent on how much you can trust God, but how much God can trust you. If we're doing the work of the Lord and staying in fellowship with the Lord and our motive is right, we may be sure. An American pastor went over to Singapore many years ago and, and preached for the home pastor there. And after he had preached to the congregation of about 16,000, 18,000, several thousand people, 2,000 people came forward to the front because the home pastor said, Now this pastor is going to come back and pray for everybody. And the pastor had never participated in a healing service of that kind. I want that to happen here. I want that to happen right here. I want thousands to be healed in this house. I want thousands to be healed. And following the Singapore pastor's lead, this American pastor began to pray for them. And each time the power of God fell on them, many of them fell to the floor, received the spirit, got delivered from all kinds of spirits and problems. And the pastor from America, when he got home, later confessed to his wife, I didn't feel anything. How did they get healed? And his wife said, honey, they came expecting. So many times... We think we have to feel something in order to pray for people. But what has to happen is you have to come expecting. And when you come expecting, there is no reason why you can't have what you ask God for. Sunday morning, I would ask you, if you get here at 8 o'clock in the morning, to get out of your car and to walk in this church expecting something great from God on Sunday Second service expect something great from God on Sunday Third service expect something great from God on Sunday Sunday and third service Now don't you don't have to start coming to that service You don't have to Because first service is powerful Second service is wonderful Third service is great But Sunday there was some hunger in third service And people were baptized And people were healed And people were touched by the presence of God And you that were here know that This Sunday, it may be first service. It may be second service. It may be all three services. But I'm declaring, I'm declaring that God is no respecter of person. He's no respecter of 9, 10, 30, and 12. But when you come expecting, that's the arm that we need right now. And that's the last arm I'm preaching about tonight. In need of a hand. Come on, in need of a hand. Need to get that arm up and put that hand out and say, Lord, put the supernatural in my life. And let me receive from you. Let me receive from you. In his book, Crisis in the University, a man wrote If one tenth of what you believe is true, you ought to be ten times as excited as you are right now. So, the right environment is where God's power will flow, where He is, where there's expectancy, where right authority is recognized, and where He alone will receive the glory. That's where God moves. faith expecting 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 I want you to look around at somebody and say you know what say you know what let's say it you know what we might have heard something tonight maybe not but I think we did and I'm going to change my attitude about this awesome God because he can do anything you need a miracle yeah need a job we're real life here folks we don't do fake life we do real life here need a family need a healing need the Holy Ghost need to start your journey with faith need to jump into the waters of baptism whatever you need God's able to give it stand to your feet all over the house you've been a wonderful audience clap your hands real big and say I love you Jesus I love you come on